Disciples had returned to what they knew best, the old ways of sea, boats, and nets. It was in that familiar place, when they gathered in community, that they met Jesus anew. As we gather in this familiar place, in community with each other, we prepare to meet our risen Lord, anew and afresh. Let us worship God in 172. Sing for God's glory.
Let us pray. Lord of the lakeside, of mountain and city, of the whole of creation, we greet you this day and bask in your holy presence. Amidst the returned routine and busyness, you've made a way here for sanctuary and space. And you appear to us and dwell within us. It's a special time. It's a moment in time of your giving. May we accept it and benefit from time with you. Gracious God, in your mercy you have come to us, dwelt with us and died for us. As Jesus, your Son, was raised in glory, may we find that no matter what darkness we cause by word or action, your light makes a new dawn, their new life. New beginnings are made possible. Lord, forgive us for our work that's in the way of a true relationship with you. When we become transfixed by the work at hand and fail to notice you in the horizon. God, forgive us for settling for the same old, same old. For the times in life when we look only one way. When we dismiss or fail to see that on the other side, in a new direction, there is abundance of opportunity for serving you and being productive in discipleship. So God, forgive us when we complain and blame others, when despondency at lack of results stifles a bold and courageous approach to living. Lord of the seashore of new beginnings, thank you for the mercy and grace extended towards us. Let us push on and cast our nets wide and far that we might serve you with faithfulness and commitment. Hear us now as we join our voices together with the church across the world in the words that Jesus taught us there. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Good morning, boys and girls. How are we? Good, excellent. Who likes fish? You like salmon? Excellent. What else do you like? Chips? Fish and chips? <laughs> fish supper? Fish supper. I knew somebody would say that, well done. Any fish? Just normal fish. Haddock? Goldfish. <laughs> you like goldfish? Excellent. We don't eat them, hopefully. Hopefully we don't eat goldfish. Today's story in the Bible is about fishing. Some of Jesus' friends, after Jesus died, were really scared to go way back to what they knew best, and that was fishing, because they were fishermen. 
and they were trying to fish a certain fish and they couldn't find any fish to eat. No white fish. And then Jesus said to them, put your net on the other side. So they put their net on the other side of the boat and they had a huge haul of fish, net full of fish. And it says, I won't get the numbers right here, 153. 153 different types of fish. But it didn't really eat fish. 340 when Jesus saw the fishermen.
Supposed to be 10k on Sunday the 22nd of May. Again, Volunteer Street is still at the back of the church. And if you look to the one also at the back of the church. Sister Nay, 15th to 21st of May. Uh, anything to volunteer and to do some collections, you can speak to Caroline Morrison or myself and I'll put you in touch with Caroline. A family fun afternoon for everybody to get to get a tea room and um, and catering there and also the men's there will be doing some demonstrations and the family activities on the 14th of May, I think two to four. Um, it's advertised on Facebook and the website as well. But Saturday the 14th of May, they're looking for some help at home baking for the tea room and you can speak to Ina or Lorna, Lorna Timlock or any of the social committee if you can help with that on the 14th of May. Two funerals I previously intimated, the funeral of Scott Sanderson will be this Tuesday at 10.30 at Woodside Crematorium and the funeral of Regina Kirkwood will be this Wednesday at 2.30 at Woodside Crematorium. The sadness all has to intimate the death of a member, Flora Smiley, and died during the week. Her funeral service will be a week on Thursday, Thursday the 12th of May. 1.30 at Woodside Crematorium. Our thoughts and prayers are with these families at this time. Finally, for talents, Chief, if you have one with plenty at the back, please fill them in and get them in this week and next week. We really want a bigger return than I've had last week, so this week or next week, fill them in. If some stay at the back or at the end of some pews and put them into the Cover, full cover at the back, the blue side, anything you want to share, any talents you've got, you want to do that this evening, um, keep keeping new skills, and the pink side, the stuff that you have from the conveners here at the church, and how you can work within the teams in our church. So please um, keep these and put them into the tub at the back of the church to allow us to plan and move forward. For the first week of the four of the members, choir will now sing the anthem.
510 verses 1 to 3. Jesus calls us here to meet him. Spirit, tell us stories that bring us into the emotion of truth, the desire for light, the longing for justice, stories that include us finding ourselves there where resurrection is real. So do it. Amen. Following Easter Sunday, last week and this week gave us a sense of a gradual period of readjustment for Jesus' traumatized disciples. For those who had jumped straight from the loud, joyful shouts of Hosanna on Palm Sunday to those joyful Easter cheers on Easter Sunday, they missed a tumultuous journey of Holy Week. In between those joyful Sundays, there is a dark, lonely journey to the cross. A week where we go through a roller coaster of emotions. A week that's much truer to people's lived experiences, particularly when it comes to loss. And it's clear the cycles are still grieving for all that has been lost. Despite 
despite the resurrection appearances of last week, in the confusion of grief, they band together for strength. Something that was denied to so many during the pandemic. And some of them go back to those good old days of what they knew. Because going back always makes you feel better, feel safer, and more secure. So they return to their boats and to fishing. But they quickly discover it's not as good as it was. They catch nothing. Emptiness. You see it so often in the recent past with buildings from Notre Dame to the Glasgow Art School built back exactly as it was. Or in society, if only we could go back to or the one that frankly does my head in with churches not like it used to be, or we don't do it that way. So we need to reframe it, reframe it and ask, would you just rebuild like the past? So it was just as it was, able to do just as it was doing, or would you evolve it? So that it might do more than it did in the past. Create a space that's more relevant, more engaging with the present. Rebuilding the past is not an argument that the faithful should understand. We've been given a story of a man who died, but is not restored. Rather, is resurrected better than he was. He stretched the old road, expanded the horizons, torn up our presumptions, pushed our faith to the very edges, pushed our physics, our storytelling, our poetry, and now meets us on beaches, on the nearest roads, in upper rooms, on the other side of the tomb. Perhaps God could just have restored Jesus, done some magic trick, brought the bones back to life, reanimated him so that he could do everything as he did before. But is that the way? Does that fulfill anything? This story we tell of empty tombs is far more than restoring a body to life. There are no healing stories this side of the resurrection. No parables, no sermons, no walking in water, no restoring the blind. There is nothing of the previous life. There is no restoring the past glories. Resurrection is new. This is shifting the whole story towards what is yet unknown. Nothing familiar. 
no anchors to hold us to those halcyon days. Instead, the future had to be grappled as unknown. This is resurrection, not a body restored. This is everything rebooted, not a new software update, an entirely new operating system, a new understanding of the way things are, a deeper and more profound hope, a wider experience of what life means, what we can trust and what we can believe to be true. What the stories of Easter tell us, precious few though they are, which is remarkable in itself, here's a massive event. The whole of history, we've been told, is heading towards. And the power was about it. What these stories tell us, perhaps, is that resurrection is an experience rather than an event. And the helpful stories we have are not there to prove anything, but to say instead, this is how it feels. Jesus is alive among us when we break bread. As on the beach, when we make welcome as with the stranger on a near road. When we question, as in the upper room, that spirit of Jesus, that life, that love is found in you among us. And Jesus is more alive now than ever before because he isn't limited to skin and bone, restored in some solitary spot on a beach, an upper room, or a road. Love has brought him alive in a new way. He's more than he was. Resurrected among us everywhere. Everything is different now. And sometimes we don't know what to do with that. And so we limit Jesus again to a physical body. But resurrection has to be more than that. We're in unknown territory that faces the future not with the old rules and the expectations and the same worldview, but with this new way of Jesus being alive among us. It's how we live as people of faith. Yet unfortunately, we backtrack in that so often. We want to restore things. We want to return to old models. We institutionalize things. We fix them. We immortalize them. All of which is the very antithesis of resurrection. Instead, we're invited 
We're invited to live in a different way, with new rules and new daring, where the past doesn't matter. Who we we were then is not restored. All that darkness or hurt or pain, but we're resurrected to new life. It's far more a gift that says go and live authentically in the world, more alive than you were before. Because love is not restored, love is fulfilled. Don't go and do the same things again. Go and do more. Go and be more. For grace is not restored. Grace is overflowing. This story of inclusion, this tale of faith, of upper rooms, of beach barbecues and Emmaus roads, says the rules have changed. Jesus is not restored to us, but is more alive now than ever before. More alive in us, in this community, in our fellowship and in our sharing. And he ever could be if he was only reanimated. For far too long, churches have opined for those halcyon days which never existed in the first place and wanted things just as they used to be. Well, they can want them all they want. And if that's a priority, come the next generation, their church will be nothing more than a memorial. Or they can live as people of resurrection. Evolve. Create a space that's inclusive and encouraging and more engaging with the present and building for the future. The choice is yours. As it was with the disciples. Will you come together? Now Jesus is everywhere among us. The old limits are gone. And embrace this resurrection, which shares new life, which offers opportunities to build a future that's bigger than the past, and reveals a love that renews everything. Or will we work towards building a memorial? Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and shall be forevermore, world without end. Amen. And Jesus said, Follow me. 538. Come and follow me.
God of generous enlivening grace, you among the fortunate ones of the world who've received so much. And as such we know that much may be required of us. We have food and shelter, we have access to education and health care. We live in relative security and peace. Never must we take these things for granted or forget those who lack them. We have encountered the stories of Jesus and have, we believe, come to know you differently because of him. No longer do we imagine that we have to be perfect for you, perfect for you to love or include us in your plans. You chose people despite your faults, possibly even because of them. Only when we have tried on our own and failed, will we come to you for help we need. We thank you for fresh starts and second chances. Thank you for having faith in us when we no longer believe in ourselves. So, God, we turn our attention to a world in desperate need of your love and ours. There are hungry sheep who need to be fed, both literally and spiritually. Too many children cannot learn, even if it is a school place for them, because they have no food. Living God, your heirs and successors of St. Peter, who was told to prove his love for the shepherd by feeding his sheep, Help us to fulfill that commission in our time and place. To notice where there is a need to be met, a story to be heard, a broken heart in need of healing, or a companion needed for a difficult journey. May we make it our business, as followers of the one who gave his life for us, to spend our lives, however long or short they may be, in glad and willing service of others. Hear all these prayers spoken, and those spoken only quietly in their own hearts and minds, in the one who brought light out of darkness, now and forevermore. So be it. Amen. Following our final hymns of benediction, we then sing the threefold Amen and the blessing. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Our final hymn, 248, For My Sake and the Gospels Go.
message is simple. We go from here to meet God in the community in the familiar places. We go to remember God in the sharing of hospitality as we gather together with friend and stranger alike. And as you go, for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the common life of the Holy Spirit be with you all forevermore.